Welcome to the Lead On Podcast. This is Jeff Orge, the president of Gateway Seminary, talking with you once again, as we do every week on the podcast, about practical issues related to ministry leadership. Now, over the summer, I'm doing a series of podcasts that are rooted in my book, Seasons of a Leader's Life. Now, it's not a book review or anything like that. I've just lifted out some ideas from that book that have been very important to me as a leader and I think have brought application to all of us. Well, today, I want to talk about what it means to beware of bravado. Now, bravado is when you make claims you can't back up, or you say things that are bigger than they really are, or you promise what you don't deliver. Leaders can't make this mistake. So in order to set the context, I want to take us into a Bible story that's repeated in all four Gospels. It's the story of Jesus and Peter as Jesus draws near the end of his life and Peter's making a response to him as those uh, events are unfolding. Well, Jesus, as I said, is coming closer to the cross and his instructions to his disciples are getting more poignant and more pointed. He told them, for example, that he would soon be going away. And, and they couldn't go with him. He challenged the disciples to love one another after he was gone, both by modeling his love to others and by underscoring their need to support one another during the trials that were coming. Jesus also foreshadowed his violent death and the persecution that would follow. Now, Jesus is laying all of this out for his disciples. And as these predictions mount, Peter's frustration increased. He's hearing what Jesus is saying. He's becoming more and more agitated about it. And ultimately, he responded to Jesus with an emotional eruption, promising far more than he could deliver, and as you know, than he would deliver. Jesus promised Peter this. He said, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. He continued, even if everyone runs away because of you, I will never run away. I will lay down my life for you. Those were bold words. But unfortunately and ultimately, they were also empty words from an emerging leader who meant well, but was making promises he could not keep, making claims he could not support. Now, his intent was admirable, but his words were more bravado than bravery. And in the emotion of the moment, he rashly, rashly promised far more than he was spiritually prepared to deliver. You know, growing up in West Texas, I knew some colorful characters, including one old rancher who was a font of colorful cliches. One day he described a person to me as all hat, no cattle. (laughs) All hat, no cattle. And then on another occasion, he warned me, Jeff, never let your mouth write a check 
your fists can't cash. Now, both of these sayings translate, don't make bold statements, you can't back up. All hat, no cattle. Don't let your mouth write a check, your fists can't cash. Don't make bold statements, you can't back up. Peter's statements fall into this category. He meant well, he really did. While I can't know everything about Peter's heart and his motives in the moment, I really believe that he meant well. He, he really wanted to believe that he would go with Jesus to prison and to death. He really hoped that when everyone else ran away, he would not. He really believed, as he said, that I will lay down my life for you. He meant well. But as we know, Peter promised far more than he was able to deliver. But beyond that, his statements actually smack of an arrogant belief that Peter was somehow immune to the potential failures to which all of us are so susceptible. These bravado-type statements, while they might seem strong, are really arrogant because they deny the possibility of what we're all susceptible to doing. Man, this came home to me in a very personal way a number of years ago. And I, I've been telling this story for years, and I'll tell it again today, because for almost 40 years now, this story has been shaping my life. I was a young pastor back in the 1980s, and several prominent media ministers all succumbed to immorality in a few weeks' time. It was on the news almost daily for uh, a several-week period of time, one minister after another falling into disgrace. Their ministries came unraveled, and the good they had accomplished was called into question or invalidated. And Because these men were such high-profile ministry leaders uh, across the United States, all ministry leaders were affected as their integrity was called into question. All ministry leaders suffered and were damaged by the failures of these more well-known leaders. Well, I'm a young pastor, and I'm trying to establish my own reputation. I'm trying to do my work well in my own local community, and I'm frustrated because so much of, their, of what they were doing was reflecting badly on me, and I hadn't done any of these things, and yet I was having to answer for them with my own church members and people in my community, and I was angry. Look, it was hard enough back then, and it still is today, to overcome my own mistakes and earn ministerial trust from others. It was hard enough to do that with my own problems without having to overcome the sins of others. So I was really upset. 
My friend Gary, a former Marine, stopped by my office. Uh, you know, we were just uh, chit-chatting like guys do and talking about various church issues and community issues and family issues, just having a normal kind of conversation when these media ministry failures came up. And then with a, amount, uh, 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 with, a, with a strong amount of what I'll call puffed up, you know, righteous indignation, <laughs> I said something like this. Well, those guys are disgusting. They've embarrassed themselves and hurt all of us in ministry leadership. One thing's for sure, nothing like that will ever happen to me. Well, Gary just glared at me. Now, I mentioned he's a former Marine, and quite honestly, he's got a scary side. His eyes went wide, his nostrils flared, his gaze narrowed, and it was an intimidating moment. He looked like a drill sergeant about to explode. But when he spoke... It was barely above a whisper, and I can see it right now in my mind's eye. I can see us sitting in that study in my first pastorate. I can remember the color of the walls, some of the decor on the, uh, by the, uh, hanging, hanging there by the doors. I remember Gary looking across the desk at me and saying this, Jeff, what you just said is the most dangerous thing I've ever heard come out of your mouth. It can happen to you. And if you don't change your attitude, it will happen to you. If you think you're immune to moral failure, you're ripe for it to happen. Get your guard up. Stop thinking it can't happen to you. And make sure it doesn't. That was a chilling moment. In my puffed up, arrogant, bravado-filled heart, I had said, oh, these guys, these horrible media ministry adulterers, fornicators, perverts, they're so bad. But not me. Nothing like that will ever happen to me. And my friend, Gary, had both the wisdom to call me out and the courage to confront me and to say in very pointed ways, if I wasn't careful, my bravado would lead to my downfall. That confrontation with Gary has stayed for me, as I said, for almost 40 years now. He was right on every count. My comments revealed the arrogance of my false belief that moral temptation was something I had mastered. To quote my old rancher friend, I was all hat, no cattle. And my fists 
were definitely not able to cash the check that my mouth was writing. Gary told me to get my guard up and keep it up. And in that moment, that's just what I needed to hear. You know, Jesus confronted Peter in a similar way. Back to our story, when when Peter promised perpetual loyalty and uh, going to stand with Jesus no matter what, (laughs) Jesus confronted him with reality. Jesus told Peter that he would deny him three times before the morning rooster crowed. Peter was startled and refused to believe it. He, he, he replied something like, well, even if I have to die with you, I'll never deny you. I, I'll lay down my life for you, Lord. You know, Peter's leadership in this moment is even, in, is even illustrated by how the other disciples responded. The Bible says a, a chorus of support uh, ensued with everyone promising to stand with Jesus, even to the point of death. But we know what really happened. We know, in hindsight, and from this record we have in Scripture, we know. We know those well-intended promises were without substance. Within hours, the disciples scattered. Peter had profanely, profanely denied any relationship with Jesus. His bravado was expressed in rash promises, and it revealed his pride, and it masked his fear. I don't know. Peter probably meant well. And he may have even believed or actually believed that what he was saying was true. But his promises could not and did not withstand the crucible of the events that followed. So now... What can you do to beware bravado, to avoid this kind of leadership mistake? Well, first, learn to speak truthfully about your commitments, your expertise, and your convictions. Learn to speak truthfully about those things. Now, frankly, this has been one of the good things about being the president of a seminary all these years. When I came to the seminary, one of the things that really impressed me early on was how reluctant the faculty are to talk about things that are outside their range of expertise. So, for example, it's not uncommon for us to hear a faculty member say here at the seminary, well, you know, I'm not really a historian, but... And then they'll either ask a question or offer a cautious observation. Or, you know, I'm not really a Hebrew scholar, but I think that this is... There's always that kind of disclaimer and humility that's attached to a statement because people oftentimes start out by saying, I recognize I'm not the expert in this field. I do have a thought or an opinion or an idea, but I want to couch it in the context of who I really am and what I really know and not come across like I'm trying to act like I'm an expert on something I'm really not. That's what I mean by avoiding bravado, by speaking truthfully about your commitments and expertise and convictions, learning to say what's really so and not go beyond that in the moment. Now, one way that I hear leaders make this mistake, which is so common and sometimes frustrating, 
is by claiming what you would do if you were in a given situation. Oh, I've got all the expertise. I've got all the convictions. I know exactly what needs to happen. And so you start the sentence something like this. Well, I'll tell you, if that was my child, here's what I would do. And then another one. Well, I don't know what he's thinking, but if that was my church, this is what I would do. Right now, in the broader work of our Southern Baptist Convention, I hear this. Well, you know, if I were leading the convention, this is what? My child, my church, my convention. This common example of ministerial bravado is boldly claiming what you would do if you were leading in a given situation. You loudly announce what you would do if, it, if this thing happened in your church or your family or your community. But let me be frank. You don't know what you would do. You only know what you hope you would do. But in making your statements, you're often ignoring the distorting impact of emotional attachment in a situation. You see, when you're connected emotionally to your children or your church or even to the convention, when you're connected emotionally, well, it changes how you will respond in a situation. And so while it's easy to stand back and say, well, here's what I would do, or here's what they should do, here's what ought to be done, it's much more difficult when you're actually the person who has to be in the middle of the moment making the call. Another example of this is making presumptive statements about aspects of what you teach, believe, or try to model. And I'll give you two big areas on this one. The first one is marriage, and the second one is parenting. Let me take the second one first, parenting. When I first started out in ministry, I could have made a presentation called 10 Inviolable Laws of Christian Parenting. But after being a Christian parent and now becoming a grandparent, rather than 10 inviolable laws, my new presentation would be called A Couple of Suggestions That Sometimes Work. <laughs> Over the years, I've become a lot less prone to overstatement in areas like parenting. Now, I'm thinking a lot about this one lately because uh, some younger ministry moms recently said, Dr. Orge, would you consider writing a book on ministry families? Well, I'll think about it. One of my reluctance about doing it is this issue about bravado. I don't want to come across as having all the answers or knowing what every family ought to do or knowing what works in every situation. I, I really don't want to come across that way. Yes, I think we did some things right as a ministry family, and I think the overall health of our family today and the commitment that my children have to Jesus and to the church as adults is an evidence of that. I, I think there's some good there. But I just want to be careful that I don't violate this principle of going beyond commitments and expertise and convictions 
beyond the simplicity of knowing what those things really are to saying beyond that, because I don't want to be guilty of the very thing I'm warning you about on the podcast today. You know, the other area is marriage. I'm always amused when people teach on marriage and use their marriages as a model of marital perfection or bliss. That does not exist on planet Earth. There is no marriage that is that perfect. And so when you teach on that subject, also be careful that you don't go beyond on your commitments, expertise, and convictions, even in that area. You know, when you make this mistake of over-promising or over-claiming on these kinds of areas, when you say, if it was my child, my church, my convention, this is what I would do, or, you know, here's what you ought to be doing as a parent, and here's what you ought to be doing in your marriage, and we have it perfectly resolved at our place, and we know exactly how to do this, and we're challenging you to follow our lead because it always works. When I hear that kind of conversation, that kind of teaching, that kind of writing, the leader doesn't understand what it's really doing in the minds of their followers. Your presumptive statements actually communicate insensitivity, emotional detachment, and real insecurity about who you are and what you're trying to accomplish as a leader. Your followers will not gain confidence in you because of your supposed certainty. No. They will instead more likely distance themselves from you, being turned off by your lack of emotional intelligence and your failure to understand the complexity of the circumstances. Now, we're leaders. Of course we offer opinions and perspectives, and we're expected to be models, role models even. And so we do have to hold ourselves up as an example. Not anything wrong with all of that. But the podcast today is not about doing those things in a healthy way. It's about avoiding bravado. It's about avoiding making absolute statements or overstating the case in such a way that it actually undermines the effectiveness of your communication in the situation. Beware of claiming ultimate insight into complicated situations and acting like you have the final word on everything. And let me give you another area where I observe this happening today, and it really concerns me. And that is leaders also practice bravado in how they hold doctrinal positions or biblical interpretations as if their understanding of those issues is the final word. Now, the most striking example of this happened to me just a few years ago. A younger leader emailed me and asked me to help get him on the program at the Southern Baptist Convention annual meeting each summer. He wrote, I can clear up all the tensions surrounding Calvinism in 20 minutes with some insights God has given me on the subject. And he asked me to, quote, use my influence to get him the 20 minutes he needed on the platform 
to address the Southern Baptist Convention. Well, I declined and wrote him back a gentle note saying I would not be able to accommodate his request. That would have been an amazing 20 minutes. Think about it. In 20 minutes, he was going to reconcile the entire combined intellectual output of the evangelical church for the past 400 years. And not only was he going to summarize it and define it, he was going to reveal the insights that would end the debates that have marked this these doctrinal concerns for 400 years. I say again, that would have been an amazing <laughs> 20 minutes. The problem is, it can't be done. His bravado. I can solve all the problems. I have all the insights. I just need an opportunity. I can fix it. His bravado was not impressive. In fact, it did the opposite. It caused me to recognize the futility of such a presentation. Now, of course, holding convictions about doctrinal and biblical positions is a part of leadership. I've taught on that on this podcast before, and it's an important thing that we do. But holding to our positions and our interpretations with a heavy dose of respect for others who disagree with us and of humility in face of the probability that at least some aspects of our position might not be the final word on the subject. Holding that kind of doctrinal position and that kind of biblical interpretation is healthy. But claiming that we have the final word on every subject, not so much. So I want to challenge you today, as you beware bravado, to first of all beware of making statements, commitments, and claims about your expertise and convictions that eclipse the reality of where you are, what you stand for, what you believe. And then, as also a part of this, I also want to challenge you to avoid bravado on doctrinal positions and biblical interpretations. Yes, hold to them convictionally, but with enough humility to just allow for the possibility that you may not know everything about everything on those subjects. And then here's a third area that concerns me, and that is I want you to beware bravado on claiming more than is true about your personal spiritual practices. Most leaders read the Bible. Most leaders pray. Many leaders fast, practice Sabbath rest, take spiritual retreats. Most leaders practice spiritual disciplines. And it's important that we practice them and teach others to do so and lift up ourselves as a model of how to do this effectively in our world today. But in doing this, when you make 
claims about your spiritual practices that exceed reality, it doesn't raise your stature in the eyes of your hearers or your followers. It actually diminishes you. Because quite honestly, most people know that you're not as perfect as you may claim to be. And the fact that you're saying these things and that there's a gap between reality and what you're claiming actually diminishes what people think of you as a leader. That's why I say very openly, I do not read the Bible every day. My goal is daily Bible reading. And I have a Bible reading plan that has an assigned passage for me for every day of the week. My goal is daily Bible reading. And I'm striving toward it, toward it, and I'm trying to achieve it. And I have no problem telling you I have not yet reached perfection in this area. Same thing with prayer. I have a goal of praying every day, setting aside time to find myself alone with God, talking with him about the needs of the day, the needs of my family, the needs of my work. And most days it happens, but not every day. And I'm being frank about that because I think that's more actually encouraging than me claiming the opposite. I could go down the line. When I teach on getting Sabbath rest, I challenge leaders that if you can get Sabbath rest 45 weeks out of 52 every year, that you're doing really well. You say, well, you should get it 52 out of 52. Well, you go ahead and be perfect. Me, I'm going to be realistic. I'm also not going to claim that which I know is not true of myself. What I'm challenging you to do here at the end is to just be honest and recognize that in that honesty, people will actually be more motivated than by claims pumped up by bravado about how much you accomplish these disciplines. Well, Peter meant well, but the claims he made were not true and they were not helpful. We know in hindsight how hollow his words turned out to be. You're a leader. Beware bravado. Don't say more than you should about your expertise, your convictions, your beliefs. Hold strong to what you stand for with a little humility that you might not have everything completely categorized and understood. And finally, when you make claims about your spiritual disciplines and spiritual growth, keep those claims honest. And in doing so, you'll find more encouragement among your followers than if you made claims inflated with bravado. Beware bravado. It's a temptation leaders must resist. Do it well this summer as you lead on.